0: People, are you cranky? Are you hungry all the time? Are you always tired? Uh, Is your body aching? It might be because your sleep is off. So, for me, if I'm not sleeping right, I'm in a bad mood. My appetite is all over the place. My body's not performing right. And that's just for all of us in general. If we're not sleeping properly, not only is it about the hours, but it's about the quality, then nothing performance wise, mental, physical, is going to be firing right and so this episode is with a sleep doctor Michael Bruce. He's a best-selling author of multiple books on sleep. He's a uh, regular on the Dr. Oz show and he is just a he's a dope dude. We had a great talk. This is actually one of the first episodes I had published on this podcast and so I'm reposting it for the people who may not have heard it. It's a little shorter this time so just the good stuff. How can we optimize our sleep for peak performance? It's a cool episode, and my sleep's been a little off, so I think it's a, a timely one. I want to be honest with you guys. Um, I'm thinking about changing the podcast name. Um, this is something that I've been thinking long and hard about. The Mind Body Hoops podcast has been awesome, but as you guys know, if you're a listener, a regular listener, the podcast isn't so much about basketball. Uh, I rarely talk about basketball. It's more about performance and just being at our best overall, so I don't know what the name change is going to be, but be on the lookout for a pivot in the near future within the month or two i think i'm going to be changing the podcast name Uh, so i hope you guys support me in that thank you for tuning in to the podcast again my name is max mccoy i love all the people who reach out to me on instagram who share screenshots of the episodes Uh, that stuff helps the podcast grow. And uh, I I just love you guys. I appreciate you guys. So if you want to be at your peak performance like me, this is a good... I don't know why I'm talking like this. Enjoy this episode with the sleep doctor, Michael Bruce.
1: You know, Max, I get the opportunity to help people that fast. It's Mm. literally unbelievable. There are times where... I can see a patient in clinic and literally within 24 hours, I can change their life. Wow. Like, there's just almost no places in medicine where you can do that so quickly and so effectively. And especially traditional clinical psychology, which is what I am actually, um, that's what my profession is. That's what my degree is in. It can take weeks, months, even years to see treatment gains. Whereas with me, again, it happens very, very quickly.
0: In my head, you know, posing for this conversation, I'd love to maybe to hear in your words, hear the end goal. So when you work with someone, what's kind Mm -hmm. of the end goal you paint for them? What's the picture you paint for them? Like, Hey, here's where you're at. Maybe you don't think it's a problem, but here's where you could be. Um, and for my audience being, you know, younger side, some, some athletes, some not still athletes, but Mm -hmm. what's that kind of end picture look like?
1: So it's interesting because I feel like there's several different types of people that show up in my practice. So first of all, they're the ones that just, have got a sleep disorder, right? So they got apnea, they got narcolepsy, they got insomnia. Um, they're tired of going through the regular system and they want somebody to really focus in on them that's one type of patient but the more recently I'm getting much a younger group of people and it's about sleep optimization right mm-hmm. it's about getting that secret edge it's about how do I make my workouts better how do I make my productivity higher or they're entrepreneurs and they're like dude i've got I've got 18 hours in a day that I need to work. I've only got six hours in a day that I can sleep. How can you maximize the sleep that I'm getting? Those are the types of questions now that I'm trying to answer for people. And we're, we're pretty successful at it as well. I mean, there's certain things you can do and there's certain things you can't do, but it's surprising how easy it is to begin to optimize your sleep. And I think that's probably an area that your group might find interesting.
0: Yeah. So that's perfect. That's exactly kind of, what I'm aiming at is, is for that everyday sleeper, you know, like person like me, I don't necessarily have a, a huge issue, but when it comes to just every night getting the necessary sleep, there's a lot of nights that I just don't feel fully rested. And maybe that's, you know, staying up too late, um, you know, staying in my head, whatever it may be. What are the some of the mm-hmm. things that you point people to to kind of start to optimize their sleep if they don't have, you know, like you said, a serious disorder?
1: Right. So the very first thing I have people do is discover what their chronotype is is. Mm. So this might not be a word that people are familiar with. So let me explain it. So a chronotype, you may not have heard the word, but you've actually heard the concept before. If you've ever heard of somebody being called an early bird or a night owl, those are chronotypes. And so my most recent book, which is called The Power of When, is I help people figure out what is their chronotype. It's actually quite simple. If you go to my uh, website, thepowerofwhenquiz.com, what you'll discover is you can take a quiz and in two minutes you can figure out what your chronotype is so if we know you're early we know you're middle we know you're late we know you have insomnia those are kind of the four buckets once you discover that then we figure out what your bedtime should be and your wake-up time should be this turns out to be the most critical aspect of any program that i do is because if you're going to bed at the wrong time for you it can make a really big difference the concept here is that not everybody should be going to bed at the same time or waking up at the same time. This is an individual thing, and believe it or not, it's all genetics. So these days what I'm doing is I'm taking people's 23andMe data or their Ancestry.com data and I'm working with that, that data and bringing it through a separate algorithm where I look at 74 different sleep markers and can really get almost a roadmap of what's going on for them, and then I can personalize it even more. So getting your chronotype, maybe getting your genetics, if you've done 23andMe or Ancestry.com, but if you haven't done that, which is fine, the biggest factor is figuring out what is the time you should be going to bed, what is the time you should be waking up, and then doing that consistently. And when I mean consistent, I'm not just talking five days a week, I'm talking seven days a week. So getting up at the same time on the weekends that you do during the week, really turns out to be one of the most defining characteristics of how I can improve both the quality and the quantity of the sleep that you're getting.
0: I didn't know that. And for me, I usually wake up determining on when I go to bed. So, if, and I'm sure a lot of people do. So, if I'm going to bed at 11, you know, I'm waking up at a certain time. But if I'm awake till 1 a.m., I'm asleep till, um, you know, much later. If we're not getting to bed until much later in the night, do you think it's still beneficial to still be waking up at that same time, no matter what, and just taking the loss of losing sleep?
1: Yes. And so there's wow. the data is actually pretty consistent. The more, and, and it turns out that your wake up time, is more important than your bedtime. So let's say that we pick a wake-up time for you or you naturally have a tendency to wake up when you've gone to bed at a reasonable hour at seven o'clock, let's say, just to make the math simple, right? If you stay up until 2 a.m., do I want you waking up at seven? Yes, that's exactly what I want you to do. But I want you to stay awake all day, don't take any naps if you can avoid it, and then go to bed at a normal bedtime. Don't go to bed at two o'clock in the morning, go to bed at your normal 11, 11.30. What happens is if you So there's a, there's a situation called Sunday night insomnia that occurs for a lot of people. So what happens is they stay up late Friday, sleep in on Saturday, stay up late Saturday, sleep in on Sunday. Well, guess what their body wants to do Sunday night and Monday morning? Mm -hmm. It wants to stay up late and it wants to sleep in. So you really want to avoid what we call a social jet lag or this drifting of your circadian clock. Um, and the the easiest way to do that is to wake up at the same time every day.
0: That's fascinating. And, and, I can imagine for you being someone who's so well educated in this space that if you do get that night's sleep or let's say a sleep deprivation night where you don't get as much sleep as you want is it is it hard for you and and because you don't have that you know ignorance is bliss how do you kind of cope with a night of not sleeping as well for me it's like I beat myself up' I'm like damn I should have got more sleep, damn I should have got more sleep and it kind of is this like self you know this self-talk that's not healthy How do you deal with that
1: so don't do that. Number one, don't beat yourself up. Okay. Every night you have an opportunity to get the rest that you need. Don't and and by the way, I'm the sleep doctor, and there are nights that I don't sleep well. Okay. Mm. Let's just be very clear. We're all humans and we all have issues, right? If something's going on with my kids or my spouse or or business, if I'm stuck in that, it, it's definitely not so easy to sleep, right? And so don't beat yourself up. About something like that, but closer you can get to a level of consistency, here's what happens: is your sleep schedule actually consolidates. You actually need less sleep the more consistent you sleep. I go to bed around midnight, I get up right around 617, believe it or not. That's whatever that seems to be the time that I open my eyes the most often. And so I only need about six hours and 17 minutes of sleep. But I'm the sleep doctor, and most people supposedly need eight hours. So, first of all, eight hours is a myth, all right? Very few people need exactly eight hours of sleep. It's personalized, which is the thing that we have to continue to go upon is that these general rules, if everybody needs eight hours, it's crap. It doesn't really work that way. If you can figure out what's the right amount of sleep to get for you, for your level of performance, that's what you want to zero in on. Look, life happens, right? If, If you're not doing well one night, don't worry about it. Because here's what I tell people all the time is every bad night of sleep is one step closer to a good night of sleep. As long as you don't take a nap during the day and you let that level of sleep deprivation build, what ends up happening is you're you're tired and then you fall asleep quick and you burn right into deep sleep. And then you and then your body will make up for a good bit of that on its own. So don't give yourself a hard time. But again, consistency is the goal, but we don't meet every single goal every single day. It's just life isn't that way. So don't beat yourself up. But again shooting for that consistency is going to be a great idea.
0: And I love that. And uh, for me, I'm just naturally really curious. What is it about the consistency that's so important for me? It just doesn't, maybe you know, the non-scientific background. I, I look at it and be like, well, if I got 10 hours of sleep, but my, I'm all over the place, shouldn't that be better than, you know, six hours of sleep five nights in a row? Why Why is consistency so important?
1: Because in order to get the quality of the sleep that you're looking for, you need to sleep at the right time. So let's take an example. So let's say that you're an early bird and I'm a night owl, Okay. I don't know if you're an early or not, but I actually happen to be a night owl. And so my my levels of melatonin don't begin to spike until almost 11.30 at night, and then they tail off around 6, 6.30 in the morning, which is why I sleep during that period of time. If I try to go to bed at 10 o'clock, it isn't going to work because my hormones are not ready to do anything at that period of time, Mm -hmm. right? Now, if you did this schedule, Right. And you normally go to bed at let's say 10 and wake up at let's say five. Okay, still roughly seven hours. If that's what your body schedule is on, if you try let's so you your melatonin kicks off around um 9:30, 10 o'clock, and then it peaks and then it, it goes, and then you're done by seven. If you go to bed at midnight. Your melatonin's already been kicked off an hour and a half earlier. Mm. And so you're not going to get as much out of it. And so remember, the body has a circadian rhythm, an internal biological clock where all kinds of things are going, but they're very heavily timed. And so the closer you can get to the timing of, as an example, melatonin increase and then eventually decrease, the Better quality sleep you're going to get, and the less quantity sleep that you'll probably need.
0: And that just comes from trial and error. It sounds like so, just getting to know our body a little bit more. And and so if we wake up a little less tired, we can kind of note to ourselves that you know this this schedule works best for me. Or when can we start to you know feel the results and be able to tell like what's better than what?
1: Sure. So so what I have people do is first go take my quiz. Yeah. Um, figure out your chronotype. That's the first thing you got to do. Then start to schedule it out. So I do, I have this thing on my website called a bedtime calculator. It's very simple. So what you do is you choose your morning wake-up time. So if you're an early morning person and you get the book or you or you at least go out and get the quiz done, it'll start to tell you some of these times that might be good for you. But you probably already know what's a, a good normal wake-up time for you. Then we know the average sleep cycle is 90 minutes long. We know the average person has five of those sleep cycles. So if you count backwards 450 minutes, or seven and a half hours, you start to figure out what your bedtime is. So let's make the math simple. Let's say that you wake up at 6.30, I would have you start going to bed at 11. If your chronotype is an early bird, then I'm gonna shift all that by two hours. Mm. If your chronotype is a night owl, I'm gonna shift that probably by at least one hour. You see what I'm saying? Then, if you start waking up before your alarm, well, then your body's telling you something. So I ran this experiment on myself. And I went to bed at 11, hoping to wake up at 6.30. And I didn't. It failed. I went to bed at 11. I woke up at 5.30. I did it again, 11, 5.30. So I said, well, screw this. I'm going to go to bed at midnight and see what happens. Guess what? I went to bed at midnight. I woke up at 6.30. I was in my zone. And that's where I've stayed ever since. Mm. So it's absolutely okay to do a little experimentation on yourself in terms of timing for waking up and going to sleep. But once you figure out your zone, that's what you need to get to.
0: Mm. And Is that kind of the first step you kind of Take with, it sounds like you do Every a client single business.
1: patient that I have, Every, that's the first thing we do. First thing we is consistency. Chrono, yep, we figure out their chronotype and then we figure out what their bedtime and wake up time needs to be. Then it's a matter of figuring out ways to get them there. So if I've got an insomnia patient, I might create a specialized pre-bed routine that helps lower their levels of anxiety, lowers their heart rate, um, may even have some level of meditation, relaxation in it to help get them there. And then I might also create a morning routine for them. So what do you do when you wake up in the morning? You need to drink this much water, get this much sunlight, do this much exercise, and so on and so forth. So I develop these personalized routines for people based on these times.
0: And can you tell me anything about maybe the, the before bed and right upon waking up? I know there's not a cookie cutter solution, but maybe what are some of the things that are um, that you found are, are very like proven to help someone fall asleep? And then what are some things that are important to do right upon waking up to help improve the quality of sleep and making sure we get the the right amount of sleep that night.
1: So I I created this technique and I call it the power down hour, right? So let's say your bedtime is 11. If you can at about 10 o'clock start to do, take that hour and chop it up into three 20 minute segments. So the first 20 minutes is just shit you got to get done, right? So it's the last email it's in our house. It's getting our kids clothes and sports gear together, backpacks, that kind of stuff. Then 20 minutes for hygiene. So wash your face, brush your teeth, get in your pajamas, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then 20 minutes for some form of meditation, relaxation, prayer, something like that. Remember, sleep's not an on-off switch. It's like slowly pulling your foot off the gas and slowly putting your foot on the brake. There's a process that has to occur there. Giving yourself that 20 minutes to do that makes a lot of sense. Um, I have a lot of my patients where that's where they do their deep breathing. That's where they might do progressive muscle relaxation. They might do yoga poses. They might do stretching. Um, there's all kinds of things that you can do in that period of time to really help slow your brain down and more specifically slow your heart rate down. The big factor that a lot of people don't get is you need a heart rate of 60 or below in order to enter into a state of unconsciousness for most people. So whatever you can do to get your heart rate there, that's what you would do before bed. And those are just a couple of the ideas that I do. Upon awakening, there's a couple of factors that I have everybody do. So number one, Um, For some people, their melatonin faucet, if you will, will continue to run even after they wake up, which is that morning fog, oh, I can't clear the cobwebs kind of feeling. The easiest way to get rid of that is not caffeine. Um, In fact, caffeine actually doesn't help that situation at all. Sunlight does. And so having direct sunlight, I mean, I'm not saying you need to look at the sun, but either having a light box or having some level of direct sunlight during the First, within 15 minutes of you awakening will actually turn off that melatonin faucet in your brain and make things extremely helpful. The second thing is hydration. Most people don't realize it, but we lose almost a liter of water each night just based on the humidity in our breath. And so we wake up dehydrated. If you drink caffeine, which is a diuretic, you're taking a dehydrated body and adding something that makes it more dehydrated. This isn't the good idea, right? It's, that's the time to drink you know, 16 or 20 ounces of water really get your body back into a into a hydrated state and you'll see that your energy level increases quite a bit the final thing that i have people do and this is kind of a fun thing that i personally do um, you have to be ready for it but i during the last minute of my morning shower i have the shower hit me literally square in the head and then i reach over to the handle and i start to make it cooler and then i wait 10 seconds and i make it cooler and i wait 10 seconds and i make it cooler until it's it's cold, yeah. and then I turn it off. What that does is it actually shunts blood to your trunk. It's incredibly alerting, and it brings you right into the present almost immediately. And it's a great way to start your day.
0: I love that. There's so much to unpack there. That that hour before bed is something that I immediately am going to take away. Like just having that, <laughs> like that 20 minutes, get everything done. I'm sure a lot of people can relate that. That seems like that everything they're doing before bed, but to make that a container, right. being like 20 minutes before, and then shifting into hygiene and then preparing. Um, yeah. And then some, you know, some sunlight and things like that. And for people who don't have sunlight, you said there's, you know, other light alternatives, therapy. light therapy, whatever they can do. In the cold showers, I can do a test. They suck, but they help yes. so much. Um, Absolutely. You talked a little bit about caffeine and I'm, I'm, I am am I got to ask because I do drink coffee. Do you drink coffee at all being the sleep doctor or sure. do you Absolutely. kind of step away from it? No, no,
1: no, no, no. So I don't have a problem with caffeine. I don't drink it every day to be honest with you, but I definitely have a cup, probably somewhere between two and three times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And so here's the deal with caffeine, is in order for your body to get out of a state of unconsciousness, you need two hormones. You need adrenaline and cortisol, and they have to jack pretty high to pull you out of that state. Mm. Well, here's the thing. If you compared adrenaline and cortisol to caffeine, that would be like comparing cocaine to weak tea, Mm. okay? There's so much stimulation that comes from those hormones Adding a stimulant on top of that does almost nothing for your energy levels. Hmm. If, however, you wait just roughly 90 minutes from the time you open your eyes to the time that you ingest your caffeine, what you will find is that that cortisol and adrenaline is beginning to drop. And then when you add caffeine, it actually lifts those hormones back up and gives you a little bit more uh, bang for your buck. So for most people, what I tell them is if you can wait, so if you get up at 730, just have your first cup of coffee at 9 right? That's, you're going to hydrate, you're going to get your water, you're going to have your cooler shower, and then wait until you get to work to have your first cup of coffee. Or when you're driving, again, 90 minutes after you wake up, that's when the caffeine is going to have the biggest and best effect on you. On the other side of that equation, you want to look at when should you stop caffeine? I like people stopping caffeine somewhere between 2 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This is because we know that caffeine has a half-life of 6 to 8 hours in some people. So we don't want it affecting people's ability to fall asleep at night by having too much caffeine on board. Now, I guarantee you there's somebody who is listening right now. This is what they're thinking. Huh, sleep doctor. He doesn't know (laughs) what he's talking about. I can drink coffee at night, and I can fall right to sleep. There's always people out there that are thinking this. So let me address that issue right away. So, first of all, there are different people have different caffeine sensitivities, and that's something to be aware of. I've got one patient, if she eats a Hershey's Kiss, she's up all night. I've got another person who can drink a double espresso before bed and fall right to sleep. So there are sensitivities. If you're one of those people who can drink coffee late, here's the thing I would challenge you with, is you might be able to fall asleep, but if I put electrodes on your head and I looked at the quality of the sleep that you're getting, I can guarantee you you're in light sleep. And so, again sleep is not just a quantity game, but it's a quality game as well. You can have decaf espresso or cappuccino with dinner. I guarantee it. Um, and you'll find that you'll actually find, uh, you'll get a little bit more refreshing sleep and a little bit deeper sleep without it on board.
0: And I'd love, if you don't mind for you to give me like a paint a picture for me, because I'm sure you could articulate it much better than me. And I, I'm going to, after this episode, I'm going to try to push people to, you know, be more mindful of how they're sleeping Mm -hmm. and how it can affect their athletic performance and, and even just their human performance. Cause that's a lot about what my page is about is just bridging the gap between what a healthy human is and what a healthy athlete is. So what, can you paint a picture for me and tell me like, what is a a sleep deprived athlete or student or worker look like and Mm kind of what is a a fully rested one? Like, like how, how big of a scale is this? Is it really dramatic? Do we really need to be paying attention that much? Like, can you talk to me about that?
1: So it's interesting because there's data on this, believe it or not. And so there was a great study where it took pictures of people. And so it took a picture of you when you were well-rested, and then you had to stay up for 36 hours, and they took a picture of you after 36 hours of being awake. And you had the same clothes, you had the same camera angles, same makeup, whatever, everything was the same. And then they took these two pictures of the identical person, and they showed them to a different group of people. 98% of the time, the people could identify the sleep-deprived individual versus the awake and alert individual so just to be very clear you're not fooling anybody out there right if you're tired everybody already knows the only person you're really kind of fooling is yourself okay and how and how does that come across it comes across in in inattention right so you're not paying attention to the things you need to be paying attention to um it comes across for athletes in their form more than anything right and so Good form is everything for an athlete. I've learned that over the course of time. That's how I avoid shin splints and heel spurs and you know plantar fasciitis and all these other things is it's all about your form. Same with swimming, same with cycling, same with all of these types of endurance sports. So when you get sleepy, you get sloppy, right? And that's what I tell people all the time is if you're sleepy, your form gets sloppy and that's when injuries occur. That's when you see lower times. That's when you see all of those performance metrics that you're looking at really start to degrade. Now, how do you know when you're well slept? Well, actually the opposite usually occurs. When I work with people that are, let's say, on the Olympic level, the difference between whether they're on the podium or off the podium usually has to do with how well they slept the night before. Right. Just to give you some indication. And these are the elite of the elite, right? These are they're representing their country in a sport. They're the best in their entire country. And if they don't sleep well, the night before an event, a race, a contest, it has dramatic effects on them because they're at such an elite level. Now, if you just like to run marathons, right? And then you're really just competing against yourself and your own time. Yeah. That's when you'll start to see things. So don't perseverate, oh my God, I've got to get the best night's sleep you know, before the New York marathon in order for me to get my best time. Yeah. May or may not hold true, but if you're not sleeping well for a week or two before that, you're for sure not going to get your best time.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that study of showing people you could actually see it on people's physiology and like how they look. Um, I'll, I'll wrap it up soon. I want to ask you a couple more quick questions. What do you think about, like I said, I used to write papers about this and give speeches about this in school about how, the school system is not supporting my sleep and what I need as a, yes. as a growing adult. And then the work schedule is just kind of a mirror of this. You know, the school system seemed to be in this place because the work schedule, you know, the kids have to drop them off to be at work by eight or whatever it is. Do you think like modern society scheduling um, complements like a human need to get proper sleep?
1: No, it doesn't, especially when you're talking about high school kids. So there's a, there's an interesting biological occurrence that happens with high school kids in particular is that their whole biological clock wants to shift and they want to stay up late and sleep late. Um, it's, and it's really, it's not their fault, it's their biology. And these are the kids that we're having showing up at school at 7 a.m., you know and classes start at 7:30 type of thing nothing could be worse it's really interesting because the young kids are the ones that are already up at that time we'd be much better served by taking the 3 to 7 year olds and having them have early classes and then bring the high schoolers in later and they would do much better the data is actually very consistent out of the university of uh, Minneapolis where they actually did this in a school system and what they discovered was is that all the high school's did a full letter grade better in their first two periods just by going to school later. Like it, wow. it, the data is compelling, but but parents don't want to change their schedules. The buses don't want to change their schedules. Like it's a mess. Yeah. And so when you look at the history behind the bus schedule, it's kind of interesting. Way back in the day, there actually used to be two buses. There would be an early morning bus and a late bus. And the young kids get on the early morning bus and the adolescents got on the late bus. And then it got too expensive. And so they just combined it and everybody had to get on the same bus. Mm. and so what ends up happening is the kids who are older just have to get up earlier because the young kids are already up and the parents want to get them out and you know off to school so we really would it really would be much better in many different ways yeah
0: one great thing about this podcast is i get to talk to amazing people like you that <laughs> I would never have this opportunity without this podcast so I'm very grateful for you coming on sure. um, I'm gonna ask a selfish question with all sure. the success you've had um, looking back i just turned 24 what's a piece of advice you would give your 24 year old self michael
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. What is a piece of advice I would give my 24-year-old self? Um, growth hurts, right? So if you think about growing, right, and you think about a plant, right, a plant literally has to destroy itself to get bigger, right? And, and we as humans, if I had known this earlier, I used to avoid pain at all costs, emotional pain, growth. I, I didn't like it, Right. But what I learned over my years, I just turned 51 this week, is if you're going to grow, it's going to hurt, and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It means that you're excelling, you're getting better, but it's a painful process in order to do that. So don't worry so much. If it hurts, it's probably actually okay (laughs) (laughs) on a certain level. um, I think that's one of the things that I would would say, absolutely. And then the other thing I would say that I, I wish I had taken more to heart, but I definitely take more to heart now is... Be an individual, okay? If you don't agree, say you don't agree. Don't don't be a lemming. Don't follow the crowd, because I'm going to tell you something. Look, I, I, I've had a lot of experiences that a lot of, a lot of other humans on this planet have never had the opportunity to have, and it's because I am a unique person. I believe in myself. And I believe that what I have to say is important. And and I think that everybody out there has got those in them. So don't don't say that you don't. Don't just go along with the flow. If you've got an idea that you think is right and you think you can prove it, go for it.
0: I fucking love that, Michael. Thank you for that. I feel that on a, on a physical level. That's some, some wise advice. And I really appreciate that for giving me an honest response. Uh, I'm so grateful. So thank you for coming on the podcast. And I'm grateful that you're an individual and doing the work you're doing. It's super important. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Awesome anybody else feeling sleepy after that episode (laughs) talk about sleeping for 45 minutes and now i just want to go to bed and make sure i pass out tonight and get the best sleep possible thanks again to michael for hopping on the podcast and thanks for listening guys as always i love when you guys hit me up on instagram hit me up in the dms i'm active there and i see all your messages so if you have feedback about the podcast if there's something you like if there's something you want to see more of hit me up i'll respond to you we'll talk And uh, I love creating this community, guys. You guys are really dope. I love you guys. And I'm happy we're all expanding our minds together and becoming uh, better hoopers and better humans. So appreciate you guys. Also, leave me five stars on the Apple iTunes app if you haven't already. And until next week, I'll see you guys later.